There are over 3,100 people sleeping rough in the streets of London each evening. In 2013, Dan Atkins created an innovative solution to solve this problem through Buses for Homeless, a low-cost solution to homelessness in the UK that provides shelter, rest, and vocational education for the homeless. Dan hatched the idea when he found one of his employees sleeping rough in the luggage compartment of one of his coaches. From that day, Dan's mission has been to improve the lives of the homeless and integrate them back into society. I've always wanted to do something that positively impacts the world. When you're on the right path, things become easy. You're not swimming against the current. As a leader, I suppose, you want to, to water the flowers or water the seeds and watch them grow and share that light with as many people as possible. It's going back to the fundamentals inside the person. If we can create a model that's based around that, that can then be replicated all around the world, then that creates a big, big change. So Dan, based on our conversations we've had before, you've had quite a diverse path to get you to this point, from entrepreneurship to, I know you were previously a school teacher. Mm -hmm. How did it all begin? What was your upbringing like? What was your childhood like? Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm from a tiny little town in New Zealand, which, um, you know, I grew up in a caravan. I remember when I was four years old, grew up in a caravan, four of, uh, five of us, um, my brother and sister slept on the, um, the seat. I was sleeping on the table um, in a tiny little place in New Zealand, but opposite one of the most beautiful beaches. So, you know, I had a lovely childhood. My father was um, coached every single sports team that I played for. Um, <laughs> my mum was the one that went out and, and, and um, kind of brought home the bacon, uh, yep. so, so to speak. But um, yeah, lovely, lovely childhood um, from the get-go, and yeah, it's just growing up in a tiny little place in New Zealand. You know, we, we don't really need much. Um, hence, what was sweet to live in a caravan for a so, while. So, how long were you living in a caravan for, and how was it living in such close proximity to your family to the point where you're sleeping within centimeters of each yeah, other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that did that kind of unite you? Did you have a really nice bond? Like what? Yeah, we were always really close. Um, and, and we remember the day that we, we, we moved from the caravan, it was 18 months, into a two-bedroom uh, place. Again, um, up directly opposite the beach, which was lovely and, you know, pretty, pretty unique um, uh, living. Yeah. You know, going from a caravan in New Zealand to, to being in some of the uh, major cities of the world, like but London. The, but that made you appreciate the open space a lot yeah, more, exactly. especially just that move from the caravan to just yeah. more of a... Yeah. family home yeah so in a way I, I suppose having thought about that it's kind of um just been a logical progression obviously to move forwards um and i've never actually made that connection of, of the caravan to the buses um which obviously <laughs> we'll discuss uh, later on so how long 18 months you were living in there then? yeah so do you think obviously we're back there is some kind of connection to how you feel being more of an enclosed space how that made you feel how that had an impact on you growing up. Well, look, my mum always says that that was our, her favourite part of the family, you know, because we were all so close, um, uh, which, was, which was really nice, you know, and she always refers back to that as some happy times with the family. Um, obviously, we were young. Yeah. It'd be a bit more of a challenge now. Growing up by the beach, um, it's just beautiful, you know, to hear the waves crashing against the, the, the yeah. beach um, and the sand is lovely to, to wake up to. So you were on a farm for what, up until you were four? Up until the caravan? Uh, no, from there, from then on, we kind of lived on farms all the way up till uh, I was about 18. What did that entail? Were you properly 
working on the farm? Um, I, I was always playing sports. So my brother and sister spent a lot of time with, the, with, with my father, with the horses and mm -hmm. um, uh, on the farm riding. And he was a horse trainer as well. Um, and then I was playing every sport that I could, you know, cricket, rugby, golf in between, tennis. Um, and I've always been an active kid. Um, yeah. So from childhood, living on a farm up until you're 18, mm -hmm. always into sports. How did you then, where did your career start? Before I did the UK, um, I, I went through university in New Zealand. What did you um, study? I'd study PE and business. Okay. Um, and then my final year, the government said, here's $10,000 very you, nice. if you would like to go to teach. And that was kind of like a logical step. What does every student want? Free 10 grand. Yes, please. <laughs> Thank you very much, New Zealand government. Um, but then that also gave me the opportunity to, to kind of fulfill the um, childhood dreams mm -hmm. of coming to the UK and then obviously teaching. But before that, um, I lived in Seoul for 18 months. Oh, okay. Uh, again, teaching English, and I did quite a lot of TV and, and movie stuff over there, which was... So you like, need to expand on that, what do you mean? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> As in, you were starring, you were, you were uh, being a, writing being, the subtitles being, as well? Being a, being a white face uh, <laughs> over, over there, uh, I, I literally I fell into it, but it was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. Top um, story from that experience then? Uh, top story? Is there anything story? we could find on YouTube? Uh, uh, probably. <laughs> Uh, nothing that I'm too proud of. But uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who always says yes, who always yeah. experiences, always wants to try um, new things, uh, try, try things once, and if, if you like it, kind of continue. And, um, has, that, sorry to interrupt, has that always been a mindset as far as you can remember? Or was yeah. there a moment where you kind of adopted that as No, I, I, think, I think I've always aspired for more. Okay. You know, again, in New Zealand, we have this thing, I mean, small-minded, tall poppy kind of syndrome, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and everyone's kind of in their own little box. Yeah. And that wasn't me. I, I, yeah, it definitely wasn't me. And by and comparison, you just knew that wasn't yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. And, and my purpose and my passion was much bigger. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and always just want to grow, want to learn, want to do more things. Mm -hmm. and, um, aspire to, to something that actually leaves a big impact in the world. Nice. So, okay, so you were teaching for a year and a half mm -hmm. in somewhere completely foreign to you. Yep. And then how did your teaching evolve? And coming to London was completely by fluke. How gone? How did that yeah, happen? So, did um, teaching bring you over or? No, 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 no. So I, I was under the Eiffel Tower one day. I'm an absolute girl's blouse at most things, <laughs> but heights is definitely not my forte. Uh, and then my g girlfriend at the time, she went up the top. I was like, mm -mm, can't do that. <laughs> and then a, a couple of boys walked past from high school and they were like, dude, what are you doing? And at that, at that stage, I had no idea. So they said to come to London. Um, so yeah, had, had I gone up the Eiffel Tower that day, mm. who knows? I probably might, well, I might not have come to London. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes the universe aligns things, puts, things out there and in front of you and brings them to your attention and so hmm. would you say you believe in fate would you say would you say that you believe everything happens for a reason uh, whether you call it fate whether you call it the divine intervention or the universe um, whatever it is there's mm -hmm. a higher power definitely out there that um, we kind of don't know yeah um, and I'm always open to that and and the more kind of 
the more spiritual I guess you become, mm -hmm. if, if, if for the like of the words, the, the more open you are to accept the fact that sometimes things just align themselves perfectly for you, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of where we're at with the Buses for Homeless project. Okay. All right. So just going back. So then in the UK, just mm -hmm. quick overview. How long were you a teacher for? In PE, right? Yeah, so PE business. Um, uh, I probably did seven or eight years of, yep. of mainly supply teaching, but mm -hmm. uh, a few long-term places. Um, absolutely love working with young people, um, but the school system is horrendous. You know, you're, you're teaching them to rote learn stuff that they can Google, mm -hmm. they, they can watch YouTube um, lessons, which are way more up to date yep. than, than what the school curriculum is teaching. Um, I, I always say we're teaching history, but what about the future? Yeah. You know, nothing, the, the school system has not changed, has not adapted um, since, uh, for, for the last 200 years. So was that a point of frustration for you back Absolutely. then? Yeah. And is that what led you to move on? Yeah, look, and, and I, I was more trying to be like an older brother type role model. Yeah which most of these kids don't have these days. Teaching in inner city schools in London, walking into F you, sir, you're not gonna last three effing days, to six months later, sir, please don't leave, you mean everything to us. Not that I was a good teacher, it was just I tried to instill a, a kind of some pride and just, you know, the is a lot different to most of the subjects, yeah. you know, the, the shithead kids, um, pardon me, um, are the ones that are more more focused on sport. Yeah. So the worst you can do to them is say, go and sit down and then chill out. When yeah. you're ready, come and apologize. Tell me why you did, did that wrong and then jump back in. So do you feel like that mindset and your approach was natural to you as a person? Or do you feel like you were thrown into that situation and you kind of needed to adopt this approach and mindset? Was it, is it you or um, is that as a result of that experience? Nature or nurture, I suppose I've, I've always been the captain of our sports teams and almost kind of a, like, a natural leader. Yeah. And it was more of a leadership role than an authoritative, I'm the teacher, you're the pupil, yeah. listen to me. Whereas with that slight change is, come on, trying to more empower these kids to, to, to believe more in themselves and to essentially to become better people. Okay, and what would you say very quickly the top qualities of being a good leader in the capacity of being a PE teacher in that environment mm -hmm. and stuff that you kind of take on to where you're at now? Oh, good question. I think empathy is a big one and, yeah. and actually understanding you as the person. Mm -hmm. You know, um, teaching is quite a challenge in, in terms of you got 30 different individuals with all different individual needs and goals and, and direction and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I, I, it's, a, it, it's, it's a challenge, but then you kind of lead by example. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, it's a lot easier to do that when you're in sport. To join in and, and, and kick a footy round and, and it's, just it's bond to be with a, the kids It's like easier to that. be a positive role model totally, in that environment, totally, isn't it? And, totally. and to relate. Yeah. Okay. So what would you say is the moment where you moved direction? You moved away from teaching after eight years? Yep. You obviously loved it, you had a great impact on the kids. What was the moment that shifted you away? Yeah, look, um, uh, we had a fairly, we, we had a very big significant um, incident with, with my family. Uh, essentially, we lost my brother. Um, Sorry to hear that. Yeah, no, it's, um, uh, I got a call from my mum one Monday morning um, and she said that my brother's been missing since Friday and I was like, ah, he'll be, he'll be fine. 
But then on the, on the Wednesday, my father found his clothes along the riverbank. So, you know, I went back home a couple of weeks later. We end, uh, the, the, the police finally allowed us to um, uh, drain the, the river. And unfortunately, I had the pleasure of seeing my brother's body being put into a body bag. Um, now, that quickly puts life into perspective. Yeah. You know, and it, it makes you realize what's actually important. And, and, and you know, nothing these days can faze me, really, because I've seen the worst. Um, but from that kind of moment on, I decided to, to make that shift, to make that change, and actually do something more significant um, and, 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 and leave, leave an impact, you know? And what was that moment, that split decision? Did it happen over the space of a few hours? Did it happen over the space of days, weeks? And then what was the result of that? Yeah, I suppose when, when, you're, when you're away and when you're reflecting and when you're with your family, you do, you do a lot of kind of soul searching. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, I guess, until I got back to the UK where I was just by myself, because when I was in New Zealand, I was the one that was kind of almost removed, per se, mm -hmm. uh, one step from my farm, uh, family. Um, and c coming back to London, it, it was literally, I was just sat in a room um, going round and round in circles. Did you have a support network, a good social circle around here, or? Yeah, I, I was really fortunate, um, you know, and, and, and it's only now that I'm, st I'm starting to speak about this a, a, a lot more in public, and, and, and obviously with people like you, um, that I realized that I was actually quite, in, in a, in almost in the depression cycle. Mm. And a very good friend of mine took me away on this um, spiritual meditation type weekend, which okay. helped me a lot and helped me understand and be clear and um, almost be at peace with what happened to my brother. And how long from, from when it happened to that trip? What was that length of time? Uh, that was probably a space of two to three weeks. Wow. Um, and it, it, it was... So pretty, pretty immediate. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I do realize that everyone has their own story yeah. as well. Um, and, and it's amazing when you start connecting with people on mm -hmm. a much deeper level that you realize that they've, they've gone through some traumas yeah. and, and, and their own experiences as well. So. It's really interesting um, when you do clear out a lot of your own baggage mm -hmm. um, and be open and, and to connect on values and passion. So this spiritual, this spiritual trip, how long did this trip last and how immediate was the change? Did you come back and immediately you knew the new direction, you knew exactly where you were heading and why you were heading there? Or did you come back, saw things in a bit of a different light and it kind of built up and evolved over time. The 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 whole weekend lasts probably thirty six to forty eight hours. Okay. Um, so so it's really it's it's almost like a personal development um, a year and of personal development all squeezed into thirty six hours. It's, okay. it's incredible. Um, and you know ever since then I've done that um, four or five different occasions, um, and each time get kind of removing more and more layers of the onion or, or, or whatever you, um, the, the, the metaphor is. Mm -hmm. But really to get to the root cause of what's going on inside you. Mm -hmm. um, and again, we've kind of taken that kind of ethos and that journey um, and almost packaged it into the ideal of the program that we'll um, release for the Buses for Homeless project. I don't think we can move on to the next topic until you tell me a little bit more about this spiritual weekend because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it sounds pretty fascinating and I think it was a big part of your life and obviously progression to where you're at now. So what yep. happened in that 36 to 48 hours? So um, 
a mental defrag. A mental know? defrag. Yeah. Cool. It, 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 incredible. You um, you go on the, the most amazing journeys through um, meditation and. You know, the shaman there um, is, a, is now a very, very good friend of mine, almost. Um, and, and he's the one that took me away on the first time ever experienced. But, you know, you go on a journey into your subconscious mm -hmm. and you're, you're observing, you're consciously aware of all of the issues and everything that's going on inside you. You see um, um, images, you see videos of you interacting in, in certain ways. Um, and, and you're made consciously aware of what's going on within you, which is kind of a little bit mind-boggling. But, um, you know, had I, had I not experienced that, um, then, you know, I wouldn't have been able to be as open and honest and almost kind of healed as what, yeah. I, um, what I have been um, through the, the loss of my brother, you know? Mm. So after such a life-changing experience, mm -hmm. not even from that weekend, but the events that preceded that. Just tell me a little bit about that, the immediate time when you arrived back into the UK. In New Zealand, I had my family to support and, and kind of look after, and then I was the one that was always looking after them, and then I just came back to London and had nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's when my friend took me away. And kind of after, after doing that and having my first and I've done many since because I realize how important it is. Um, you know, it, it kind of gives you a clear direction of, of what you want or where you should be going rather than um, what you were doing beforehand. Do you feel like you were, were you spiritual before that experience? Absolutely or are you not. Absolutely not. Okay, no. so how has your perspective of spirituality changed since then? And how is that practiced in your day-to-day -day life now? Yeah, see, I'm, I'm a, again, I'm a Kiwi. If you can't hold on to it, it doesn't exist. It's right. not real. Um, yeah, we're simple people. Yeah. But having, having um, been opened my eyes and my mind to this, it's, it's actually phenomenal how, how blinkered the vast majority of society is. Mm -hmm. um, whether you, my, my sister's far more spiritually um, spiritual than what I am. She calls in the angels all the time, right. which is still a little bit woo-woo for me. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, um, the, more, the more you get into it, the more aware, consciously aware you are that mm -hmm. there's a whole lot more going on in this universe than what um, we've been preconditioned to believe. Sometimes it's easy to be kept up in your own bubble. Totally. Right? So, what, so, so do you meditate? Do you just practice daily mindfulness? What are those little kind of insights and daily habits that you have? Because it's easy, especially in London, um, being swept into the day-to-day -day grind. Totally. What do you do to, to ground you a little bit more and just bring back that sense of spirituality? Yeah, um, it's a really interesting one. And after my last um, uh, ceremony, yeah. um, which is where I've had the biggest shifts, which were amazing, and that actually was the one that highlighted that it was time to start doing the Buses for Homeless project. Mm -hmm. um, directly after that, I, I, I always like to take action in the physical world mm -hmm. because that's all um, kind of subconscious um, and emotional kind of worlds. And, um, you know, I did this massive um, detox, ended up doing a lot of exercise, um, did a lot of gratitude. 
yeah gratitude is huge so what is that how does that manifest is it a gratitude diary is it yeah. every, every morning you start by saying yep just as simple as um writing down three things that you're grateful for mm -hmm. three kind of things that you would like to happen during the day mm -hmm. um and that's that's really awesome to actually practice mm -hmm. regularly as well as doing some exercise and just well, I, I suppose setting up the right habits yeah. um, on a daily basis. And, and that's, that goes, um, is crucial to moving ahead in life. So did you come back from that experience and just say, right, I'm done with teaching, I know it's the right point to move away from teaching, or did you come back, settle back into normal routine for a little bit and then realized? And then what did you immediately go on to do? Yeah, so um, after, after that experience, I knew that it was time to end teaching. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I also wanted to, to work with young people. Mm -hmm. So I started working with a very good friend of mine, um, helping 18 to 30 year olds set up their own businesses, okay. which was absolutely awesome. I, I loved, loved doing that. So, so you went straight into that. Was it, so yeah. you came back, did you give yourself any time to recover or were you, did you come back with a fresh perspective of motivation? You were yeah. like, I need to do something now. I need to move on to the next thing. Yeah. And, and, and that, that transition was pretty quick, yeah? which, which was awesome. Did you feel like that was a good thing? Did you feel yeah. like it needs to be quick? You want to take action? Or yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. And, and you know, when the time is right, it's, it's, it's right to, to mm -hmm. start making, again, to say yes to, to opportunities yeah. and, and, and go on a new career path. Mm -hmm. um, but I loved it and, and did that for about 18 months. Um, and part of that was helping um, young people get access to startup capital. Okay. Um, but most importantly, to business mentorship, right. which is crucial for anything, you know, um, having mentors that have been there, done that, walked the yeah, talk. Yeah, of course. Um, and that's where I met um, one of my mentors and uh, got into the, the world of buses. World of buses. Mm -hmm. Love that. So, okay, so before we move into that, so how did your mentor facilitate that move into buses? Quite a vague, vague statement, but interested to, to hear more. Uh, so, one Christmas party. Yeah. Um, him and I had far too many jars of loudmouth soup. Nice. Um, but you know, asked, I, I asked the question. We, we we had a really good relationship anyway, and I asked the question, what made him a success? Um, and his eyes lit up, and his he had a massive smile on his face, and. He uh, introduced this concept of doing parties and events on buses, which, um, you know, at that time in my life, I, I was quite excited about parties I, uh, and, and events and doing things on buses. I, I never <laughs> imagined I would have, but um, yeah, you know. Um, so was that his answer? What made you successful? And he just looked at you and said, buses. What was <laughs> it? Party, party buses. Party buses. And then one thing led into another and then clubs and restaurants and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and I, over, over a series of a couple of months, you know, bouncing things back and forth, I was like, screw it, let's do it. Nice. Um, yeah, and, and, and got into that. So what does that look like? What does that business look like? Obviously, you've got a bit of experience in, 18, in the 18 months of mm -hmm. providing young people with startup capital and mm -hmm. mentorship. Do you think that served you well to then move into your own business? Was it still quite a scary process? Did you have a good enough network in order to support mm -hmm. you? Yeah, I think as with anything, success is probably 80% psychology. Mm -hmm. And then um, the rest is kind of the strategy and the networks and the support to, mm -hmm. get, to get to where you want. Um, you know, and, and having a master, having a, um, a coach or a guide or a mentor mm -hmm. um, to, to follow in their footsteps and not make the same mistakes as what they make. Mm -hmm. 
um, is almost a fast track for success. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you know, them holding your hand and walking you through step by step, um, everything just helps immeasurably. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, if it's just every, every professional um, sportsman has a coach. Yeah. Why? To get them to the top, you know, so. The, yeah. thing, the thing I think of, the benefit of mentors is they help you identify the mistakes you make before you make them. So Absolutely. you can still learn from them, but mm. you don't have a massive um, yeah, it's failure in your hands. Yeah, it's a fast track for success, yeah. you know? Yeah, but not so much the traditional shortcut because you're yeah. still learning from, yeah. from, um, from doing. So, okay, so tell me what that business looked like. How long were you running it for? Yeah, um, uh, so that, that business was, was awesome, lots of fun. Um, we worked with all of the biggest um, uh, Fortune 500 companies. We had loads of celebrities on board. We did some wild stuff. Um, you know, we had rock bands playing full five-piece sets uh, on board the buses as we were <laughs> on driving On board around. the buses? Yeah, 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 which was absolutely bonkers. But it was, it was fun and it was jo enjoyable. Um, but going back again, the last time I did a ceremony, um, it, it, it showed me that it was time to move on, move forward, mm -hmm. um, and actually do something that made a bigger, it made an impact in the world rather than just um, helping people have a good jolly. Nice. So did you always have that inkling as long as you can remember? Or was it you started this business and kind of as you as you kind of went through all these different career paths and all these different spiritual experiences mm -hmm. to just build up and build up and build up what yeah, facilitated I, that this move into what is now buses for homeless yeah I've, I've always i've always wanted to do something that positively impacts the world how come where does that come um, from I, I i don't know i've just you know ever since ever since i was little i just wanted to to do more and, and help people um being a teacher, I just wanted to inspire these kids um, mm -hmm. with the right mindset um, to achieve whatever it is they wanted to achieve in life. Um, and I think as a combination of my teaching background, the personal and social development stuff, mm -hmm. as well as building buses and coaches for a living as well, um, all kind of combined into this melting pot that um, now we call Buses for Homeless. Amazing. So, okay, so tell us a little bit about Buses for Homeless. How did it come about? Obviously, it makes sense with the link of the buses. Yeah, so um, one day I walked into our yard and, and just was horrified. I discovered a friend of mine sleeping rough um, underneath the coach where you put your luggage. Mm -hmm. And that literally, it, it broke my heart. So him and I went out, we brought him a bus that day. Um, it took it back to the yard and kitted it out and he lived in that for two years. Wow. Um, and having done a lot more research and, and, and understanding the, the, the homeless um, the stats and figures in the country, um, it just, you know, I, I knew it was time to take action and, mm -hmm. and, and make a difference. So you always knew that you wanted to make a positive impact. Absolutely. And the minute that experience happened, that's when it all clicked into place. Yeah. So you, this, yep. is, this is how I can make a difference. I yeah, have a exactly. speci speciality in buses. Yep. This is an issue that would it be fair to say that through being in London, you almost became a little bit desensitized to it. Absolutely. To the issue. Yeah. Um, which I think we're all guilty of, but mm -hmm. in London, um, which is horrible to say, but yep. it's, it's, it's the truth. Yep. So was that a split decision realization? Was it more of this is my purpose? I need to follow this with everything I've got. Or was it more of this is my opportunity to actually make that positive impact that I wanted? Mm, I think it's more of an opportunity yeah. um, rather than a split decision. 
Um, you know, because we've had so much help and support. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I can't do this my, by myself. Um, absolutely not. And that's where, you know, people and organizations just coming out from everywhere. We've had so much positive media. Mm -hmm. We've been given, we've, we've been donated a lot, a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. Um, we've been given buses. People are ringing me out of the blue to say, Dan, I've got 10 buses. Would you like them? You know? It's absolutely phenomenal what um, fate, the universe, the provider is, 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 is laying ahead of us now. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and this project is far bigger than me. Yeah. Um, and it's almost just swept us up um, on that path. Um, and it's almost, um, touch wood, quite easy that we're in the flow and, and going with it. Yeah. So Okay, so talk to us through the actual setup, because what I love about what you're doing is that there's a difference between short-term solutions, mm -hmm. so roof mm -hmm. over your head, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. food on the plate, yep. and long-term solutions, which is soft vocational skills to actually yep. integrate homeless people back into society and getting totally. to the root cause of what caused homelessness in the first place. Yeah. So what I really love about what you're doing is that you really combat both of those sides. So can you just explain a little bit more about what this process is, explain this three month program mm -hmm. in a little bit more depth and explain where the thinking came to create this three month program in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the buses, the buses are fantastic. Yeah. You know, um, there's a hell of a lot of surplus to requirements, double decker buses in, in London. How many, do you know how many there are? How many get retired? on a there, there would be hundreds. Really? As a, are they, so they're all just stockpiled. Where are they kept? I, I, exactly. Um, and, and most of them are sent to the graveyard. Um, because of the new ultra-low emission zone yeah. um, regulations, um, anything that's older than 2006 is now a surplus to requirements. Okay. And rather than going to the graveyard or the scrapyard, whichever you want to call it, um, we're trying to upcycle them, as many of them as possible, into eating, sleeping, learning and well-being spaces um, that really help homeless people. Mm -hmm. um, now the proof of concept, essentially the buses are amazing. Everybody who comes on board absolutely loves them. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's awesome because they're a mobile shelter or a mobile learning space. Yep. We can travel, we can take them as and where required, which is fantastic. But what we say is when we prove the value in terms of our program, mm -hmm then that's when the whole world will stand up and take note of what these guys from Buses for Homeless have done. So that's really interesting, because I think the first time we met, we were having a long conversation around proof of value. Yeah. Um, and I want to kind of explore that in some further depth, but just talk us through this program and the rationality behind this three-month program. Yeah, so com again, combining the teaching and the personal and social development with the ceremonies and, and, and the Tony Robbins training and everything like that, um, it's all about helping understand how and why these people have become homeless in the per first place. Mm -hmm. So most people wrongly assume that drugs and alcohol are the causing factors of that. Yeah. However, we believe that they're both a coping mechanism for life on the streets, yeah. but most importantly, life and hair in their hearts. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the whole, the, our whole intention for the first month is almost to strip those layers back. Um, to the root cause and find that what's going on. Mm -hmm. Now, most of the time that's going to be an issue from in their past, their childhood yeah. or a trauma or something like that. And we believe with the help of Reiki, mindfulness, meditation, um, energy healers, proper um, clinical psychologists, as well as 
NLP, life coaches, um, even uh, nutrition plays a yeah. huge part of that and, and personal trainers and everything. You know, if we, can, if we can strip everything back, help them through that root cause issue, and then almost build them back with all the positivity and that kind of stuff, then we're actually making a, um, a change on a fundamental level. Mm -hmm. And then when they're ready, touch woods, um, we move them on to, to the next phase, which is the soft and vocational skills, as yep. you alluded to, in order to get them back into um, apprenticeships, uh, employment, or touch wood, help them set up their own businesses. So I just love how what we were talking about before near the beginning is you're very much, you take all the experiences of life that life throws at you and it kind of makes up who you are. And it kind of just feels like everything in Buses for Homeless right now is just a combination and a, and a yeah. hot pot of yeah. all of your life experiences. Pot, yeah. How does it feel waking up every day knowing that what you're doing is an accumulation of everything that you've built up to this point and knowing that it's for good? Wow, and, and as, as you say that, I literally have full body goosebumps. So, um, you, you know, and, and, and it's, just, it's just incredible. Um, look, it, it's, it's an absolute challenge on a daily basis as well, but there are so many things aligning themselves and, and, and people and organizations coming out of the blue just to keep us going and going mm -hmm. and going. Um, to kind of be on your, to find your true north is is an amazing experience mm -hmm. and and it's fantastic um and you know sometimes when you're when you're on the right path things become easy you're not swimming against the current and you become yeah. a magnet for opportunities yeah and, and the and right types of people because yeah your values your living embodiment of your values Ex exactly and and you attract people into the universe that mm -hmm. that come to you and one our chief inspiration officer taught me um uh thank you more please yeah you know and and we're saying that on a daily basis and it's just incredible and and when again going back to the gratitude to to thank something that's coming into into your existence or or mm -hmm. your life and then ask the universe for more please mm -hmm. of the same thing that you actually want mm -hmm. um that that was huge mm -hmm. that was that was massive for us um so Obviously, a lot of things you've done in the past, mm. from being the leaders of a, of a sports team yeah. to being a teacher, mm -hmm. how would you compare those kind of fulfilling roles? Like, that's still a fulfilling thing to do, waking up every day and knowing you're helping people, knowing you're making a positive impact. Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is, what is the difference in how you're feeling and how you're going about life and the, the passion that you're putting out there now compared to the fulfilling activities that you were living by before? Very interesting question. I think, I think it's just taking things to the next level. You know, um, stepping up, playing life on a bigger game. Yeah, we've had all the practice and um, kind of learnt and, and progressed, but now it's like, right, Danny boy, um, let's take a step up um, and, and, and do something that truly matters. And we're creating a model that doesn't exist. We're p trying to pioneer something here. Um, and and it's, it's always a challenge. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, I love it. And I'll, I'll do it until, um, until we make it happen. And then I think the most proudest I will be um, will be watching our first group of people graduate and go off into the real world and, and, and actually then come back and pay it forward to the next group of people that we bring onto the program as well. So, 
again, as a leader, I suppose, you want to, to water the flowers or water the seeds and watch them grow and then um, just share, share that light with as many people as possible. That's really nice. Yeah. That's really nice. Those four buses. Yep. What, what are those four buses again? Uh, so eating, sleeping, learning, and well-being spaces. Which one's the most important and which one's the favorite? Look, the most important for anybody is shelter and food. Of course. All right, but that's not actually going to make the fundamental change. So I suppose the, my favorite as well as the most important is the bus for wellness, mm -hmm. which is where we're helping these people through their issues, through their inner demons, and then layering them back in positivity and support and everything. And it's really interesting, um, you know, we've, we've got an amazing energy healer that comes down and she gave me the very first energy um, healing session and it was amazing. And I had tears in my eyes because the whole thing was just exactly what I envisaged uh, from the get-go. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys that we, we've been working with, um, Chris, uh, I said to him, look, you should try it. You know, and he was like, nah, nah, <laughs> not at all. Um, and, then, and then he actually tried it. And 30 minutes later, he came out with the biggest smile and his whole energy had shifted. And he was like, wow. You know, and, and 30 minutes of a session like that that completely transformed what somebody's What is it in that energy. session? What happens? Um, so, so, again, um, a kind of, she does a lot of Reiki, energy healing, and then touch. Um, she taps into which, whatever flow that um, exists and, and, and she naturally, um, I suppose, resonates over one area. Mm -hmm. um, this amazing relaxing music going on in the background, the incense, it's just perfect. Um, and just to clear the blockages and your chakras or however you want to call it um, and to release the energy, it's, it's incredible. How important is, because all the, 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 the big change that's happened in your life. Yeah kind of seeing a common pattern of it happening in a very small and condensed period of time. Totally. Do you think that is important for proper uh, self-development and change? And that it's just coincidence that you kind of have a bit of a smaller scale to create that change in. But do you think that's, that's needed anyway? The, the self-insight, the self-realization needs to happen in a short space of time in order to propel that change? Um. I suppose because I've done so much work um, and, and done everything under the sun and, and finally found something that you can condense it all into a short um, space of time. Um, but then, you know, for, for me that works, but that's mm -hmm. a series of events that have led up to that. Yeah. So it's kind of trying to pick out the best of, of both worlds, of all worlds and all programs and trying to package them into almost one kind of set unit plan mm -hmm. type thing um, that we can essentially license or scale up up and down the country and sure. then worldwide to, to create that change. So, yep. so yeah. what I'm really interested in finding out is obviously this, this, the, the four bus mm -hmm. concept is still a concept at this stage, right? Yep. That's what it will look like eventually. Yeah. But right now, as we spoke about before, you need to generate this proof of value or validation. Yeah. What does that validation look like and how are you currently going through the process of funding it? It's really interesting. So we're a um, social um, enterprise or mm -hmm. CIC. 
um, which is slightly different to most charities and that kind of stuff. So a social in, um, enterprise is a hybrid between a limited company as well as a charity. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason why we set that up is we can still um, receive donations mm -hmm. um, from the public and from various different people and organizations. Um, but then it gives us the flexibility to, and, and less bureaucracy. So we can pivot. We can look to, to generate revenue streams as well, which we're looking at mm -hmm. now. Um, but yeah, we've been so fortunate. I've done so many favors for people and organizations in the events world. Mm -hmm. um, and the events world is all about ensuring that our guests have the time of their lives. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's all about them rather than us. Yep. And because we're such a little organization, the events world has really backed us and behind us because you know, they see where their money that they donate um, mm -hmm. goes. You know, we, we will never take a single cent out of donations for mm -hmm. salaries or anything like that. Um, because at the end of the day, that's what a lot of charities are relying on. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's completely wrong. So donations have been a major part of it. And we've been really fortunate to, to have been donated buses, four buses by Stagecoach. Wow as well as an awesome organization, Bathroom Takeaway, from up in Manchester, who just randomly called me out of the blue and said, we love what you're doing. Uh, they donated us a 16,000 pound bus, um, wow. which is now our uh, Bubbles, our wellbeing <laughs> bus. Um, but now, on the back end of that, we're trying to create um, a revenue model as mm -hmm. well um, to ensure that we are sustainable, as sustainable as possible from the get-go. Cool. So. Taking a bit of a step back mm -hmm. before we get into big vision and future visions, yeah. which is obviously the most exciting thing to talk about. What do you need to prove in the short term mm -hmm. in order to realize a longer term ambition? Look, we need to, we need to take people from the streets mm -hmm. and we need to get them through the program and then we need to get them into housing and employment. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting that um, all throughout the build process as well, we've been working with four or five different people who are or have been homeless. Mm -hmm. um, one guy, Chris, again, um, we, one, of, one of my friends found him literally underneath a Sainsbury's begging for money. Um, he built up a relationship with, um, with Chris as well. And, you know, he, he asked Chris if he had any skills um, and he said a laborer. So he said, Dan's got a bus project, come down. He was there literally the next day. He absolutely smashed what he was doing um, on the flooring. Yep. And then he's been with us ever since. So that kind of epitomizes what the program is mm -hmm. throughout the build process as well. So it's giving them opportunity, mm -hmm. giving them and then supporting them as much as possible. Um, unfortunately, Chris is, um, you know, he, he lost his brother as well last week. So he had to fly wow. home to Poland. He's, he's just got back to the UK now. But again, all these people have their own stories as well. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's just trying to support and help them as much as possible. And when we, you know, we need a static site in order to welcome people onto the buses and into the program. Um, and when we do that, you, you know, we'll, we'll document their process, their journey along the way um, and, and share that. And people buy stories, sure. you know, and people. And it's the, the success stories along the way that we can share and show, which will prove the value in what we're doing. And just one 30-minute session with Natalie, our energy healer, was validation for me that what we're creating here is perfect and on the right direction. Amazing. So what, what's the bigger vision? 10 years time, 
what does success look like? Because um, it goes far beyond yeah, traditional ideas of success yeah. or financial successes. What does success look like to you in the concept of? And again, I've got I've got full body goosebumps as well. So great question. Thank you very much. Um, I think I think just making a positive impact, and you know, success is up and down the country and then worldwide, yeah. but more so creating a movement that's not just give a homeless person a house. Because if, if, if they're not mentally right, then how are they going to cope with that? You know, so it's, it's, again, it's going back to the fundamentals inside the person. You know, and if we can create a model that's based around that, that can then be replicated all around the world, then that creates a big, big change. And that's, that's really where, where our vision is on, on, on this. And um, touch wood, I'd love to be one of the flag bearers of fundamental change and positivity for homelessness. Amazing. No, uh, I've got four body goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> so a big part of your model and how you really bring this to market is working with corporations. And I found that really interesting because Correct me if I'm wrong, you are going to corporates and getting funding from corporates as part of their CSR budget. Mm -hmm. How does that look? How do you approach that? Yeah, so uh, look, um, corporates these days are being a hell of a lot more socially um, aware and responsible. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're, what we're saying, what, and what our pitch to them is, rather than go out and have a staff jolly, why not come down with us, work as a team, go out and do something positive within the community, and then at the end of it, touch would potentially donate two and a half to three thousand pounds, which will help one person go through the entire three-month program mm -hmm. with the respect of trying to build a relationship with that person throughout their journey, yeah. and then fingers crossed, get part or full-time work within that organization. Amazing. So that one rather than stuff jolly do something nice for the community actually has the potential of transforming somebody's life on a fundamental level and that's pretty cool that is very cool how does that look now like just just talk on a granular level do you have a deck that you specifically send to corporates do you rely on people in your network to refer you mm -hmm. do you just meet people face to face and say this is the opportunity how many corporates how many corporates are you working with at the moment yeah, so we, um, we've had one previously that's, uh, that's done it, and it's really interesting that they've already signed up to work with us over Christmas as well, which mm -hmm. is phenomenal. And then we've got two more, uh, GSK and PWC, who wow. are pretty big brands Not in themselves, small organizations. that want to get involved as well. Plus, we've also got a coding organization that are coming down and delivering coding training to work with us, and then, again, um, donate that money towards the project as well as a few organizations that are really engaged. You know, Network Rail um, are looking for us for a site, which is amazing. So, you know, we're, we're punching well above our weight here. I don't um, think you are. Which is, I don't which think is you phenomenal. Are. It's, it's, so just, how did you get in with PwC and GSK? Again, just people referring us, you know. Um, our network is amazing and you know we're, we're really vocal or um, on, on Facebook and, and, and social um, and that's that's been I think our biggest um, realization mm -hmm. uh, utilizing the power of social media and, and the power of social networks and, mm -hmm. and, and the likes 
um, and just people buying into the journey, mm -hmm. you know, um, and just engage, engaged. And, and we've got so many people that are sharing our stuff. Um, the media have picked up on this as well, which has been phenomenal. We've been all over the Evening Standard, BBC, um, Thomson Reuters. The World Economic Forum did a post on us <laughs> That last was recently, week. right, yeah, amazing. And it's had over half a million views, Boom. you know, it's just but it's That's just the thing, just, as a proposition, it's so close to home, mm. it resonates on such a deep level, yep. that people just, there's, the majority of people just champion it, because yeah. it just makes so much sense. Yep. And that's where, you're, that's where you've won, and that's where you will continue to win, because it, people just understand the benefit, yeah. and they want to scream and shout about yep. it. And it's also interesting because what's more iconic in London than a double-decker bus? Yeah, 100%. You know, and, and there's so many people on the streets in London that you cannot get out of a tube stop and not walk past somebody yep. that's homeless and then see a bus go past. Um, you know, and, and I think it just, it just works, you know? So going back to your point around coming out of a tube station, mm. Well, going back before to what we were speaking about of is, is, is almost, it's horrible to say, but you become desensitized to totally. the issue. And it's almost easy to not regard these people as, as yep. human beings, which is yep. horrible. Yep. What needs to change regarding public perception of homelessness and how can that be? Yeah, and, and, and it's really interesting that you say that as well because people are um, desensitized to it. You know, and most people would go up to a homeless person that's got a dog than, than, and be more concerned about the dog than the actual person with the dog, you know, which is just totally wrong. Why is that? I, I, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but it's just, that's what society is turning into, which is bonkers. And what needs to change in order to bring it back to actual reality? Look, I, uh, what needs to change is people actually need to care, um, you know, and get out of their own heads, get out of their own bubble. Um, you know, again, unfortunately, most people go through their lives concerned about trivial stuff and it's not until you have these big significant life issues that you become aware that life isn't watching Love Island or mm -hmm. tweets from some celebrity or, 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 or whatever and actually there's a person on the street that you could literally just go up to and say hello sir or ma'am what's your name and build a relationship with that one person. What is it from a psychological perspective that allows us as human beings where the majority of us do have that level of empathy naturally mm. to completely disregard someone who is in a horrible situation compared to you yep. walking down the street. And the bit that gets me is when you treat them like an object. People don't even mm. look at them in the eye, let mm. alone a smile. Yep. What is that from a psychological perspective that actually breeds that kind of behavior? Because it is actually, talking about it now and rationalizing it, it is actually barbaric, but yeah. it happens on a massive level every single day. Yeah. What? Do you know what causes that? I, uh, whether it's fear of the unknown or not, not knowing what to do, or uh, I, I don't know, just people are, people are too wrapped up in their own lives and their, their own heads and their own world. But it, it's something as simple as spending 10, 20 seconds to, to make eye contact, mm. to, to actually acknowledge that they are there, um, to ask them their name and how are they today. You might not realize, but that may save somebody's life, you know, and that's, that's huge. And then what, I'd, what I really would love the viewers to take away is to build a relationship with one person on the street. And, and every day that you see that one person actually say, hi, Sam, hi, Joe, hi, ma'am, 
um, you know, and, and, and build that relationship, actually take almost care of them. But it doesn't have to be money. It's your time. And your Treat time. Treat them like a human being. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and that'll take 20, 30 seconds. Yeah. But that has the, the, the uh, I suppose, the opportunity to change their life in a positive way. And you, 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 if you do that, you'll realize that they have a story as well. Yeah. And that will, that will make you feel much better yeah. than, than giving them a pound or whatever or walking past them. That's maybe why it's so easy to disassociate because you don't know their story yeah. and that you can't create that emotional connection. Totally. But I think again, what makes us unique as human beings is yeah. that once, once you hear people's stories, yeah. once you hear that, there was a series of events that led mm -hmm. to them being where they are. Mm -hmm. And I think Zoe Cox, our head of strategy, said it, that you're only three events away from being homeless. Anyone. It could literally happen to anyone. It's well, a downward spiral. The, the, the average, the average um, person in the UK is no more than two to three paychecks away from being there we on go. the street. That's, that's crazy. And I think that just that, taking that time just to understand people's stories and actually yeah. understand that, that is when that empathy will come. Totally. Okay. Totally. So, all right, going back to buses for homeless. Mm -hmm. um, you currently got a target to raise 50K, right? Yeah. What will that go on? And uh, what will that do for the organization? Yeah, so, so essentially we've built three of the four buses. Um, but our, our dining bus needs a commercial kitchen to go inside that so we can actually teach these people to cook and prepare healthy meals for themselves. Mm -hmm. Then their family, their group of eight that they go through the program with. And then we then want them to go out into the community and actually be cooking and preparing meals for other homeless people. Mm -hmm. So it's always homeless people paying it forward to other homeless people. Now, when we've got all four buses, then we need to move into a static site. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll set up all the amenities like a shower and toilet containers, um, fridge freezer containers and everything. Potentially put a roof over top of the buses as well. So if it is uh, inclement weather, then, then everyone's protected there. Um, so yeah, to really just finalize everything and, and move in, set up camp as we call it. Um, and then welcome on our first set of guests um, into the program and then move forward from there. So, I guess a nice way of rounding off before we move on to our final three questions that we end every podcast on. Excellent. How can we help? How can the, the, the viewer watching this, how can they help even as little or as much as possible? How yeah. can people feel like they can make a difference here? Yeah, look, um, uh, first, first off, go out and build one relationship with one person on the street. Yeah because then you'll actually understand a lot better and you'll feel much better about yourself. Mm -hmm. Then if you um, are liking what our, uh, our vision or our journey and want to, to donate, then by all means visit our website, busesforhomeless.org. Um, and 100% of donations go straight 100%, to the organization, right? I think that's really important absolutely. to move, yeah. Yep. Um, or whether you've got skills, um, specific training skills that could help, you know, mm -hmm. we're always looking for more trainers, more um, spiritual healers, um, nutritionists, chefs, mm -hmm. anything that could possibly help um, um, help us make their transition uh, um, much easier than that would and be. And what would that look well. like if you've got someone who's watching this who wants to donate their time? What would that look like? How much of a commitment would that be? Yeah, look, if everyone's different. 
you know, um, whether that's a, an hour or two a week mm -hmm. or more um, working with us longer term or even just opening doors to various different organizations or um, uh, VCs or family offices, mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, and and we, have, we have loads of people getting in touch with us all the time and asking how can they help and we, we, we ask them, what, where's your best fit? Again, we want to utilize their time as effectively as possible, mm -hmm. rather than getting them peeling spots. Putting them in a box and saying, yeah, yeah you e can do e that e job. Exactly, exactly. And again, you know, a social enterprise allows that flexibility, mm -hmm. whereas a charity, you kind of have to do the letter of the law, which, mm -hmm. you know, if, if, we're, if we're trying to shake trees, if we're trying to be the forerunners of uh, a, a new homeless movement, then we have to be able to adapt and we have to take on people's uh, advice and support and, and, and just leverage, mm -hmm. yeah. So if you're watching and you wanna donate or be involved, then I think there will definitely be a link in the description below. So definitely click that and, and check it out. Okay, so we're gonna end on the power three questions. What is it we call them? Power three? Three power? Power questions? Power questions. Power questions. The three power questions. We're going to end on the three power questions. Sure, fire away. The point of this is it's mm -hmm. quick fire. Don't dwell on it. Whatever comes from the gut, yep. just say. Yep. Number one. Ready? Mm-hmm. If you could give your 20-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, ouch. Lose the ego. Lose the ego. Yep. Okay. We're better than that. This is probably one of my favorite ones. Mm. What do you want your hypothetical great-grandchildren to remember you for? Remember you by? Being an amazing person, being a phenomenal father, um, and just the love that has passed from my generation down through my boys, my child, children, touch wood, I have them, um, and, and just, just making a difference. Okay. Yeah. And lastly, before we wrap up, finish the sentence. The world needs more. Oh, the world needs more people being nice to other people. And on that note, I think that's a really nice way to end it. Mate, awesome. Toby. Thank you so much. Wicked, mate. Thank you so much, everybody. And, and thank, thank you for this. Um, what you guys are doing is amazing. So all the best with P-Squared. Thank you. Yeah. And it, looking forward to growing together and helping take buses for homeless and helping realize your vision. Yeah, We're all amazing. very excited here. Thank you so much. Cut. Thank you so much for watching and being part of the P-Squared community. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe for more of the same content. Through the journeys, insights, ideas and stories of our guests, we hope to propel you forward to execute on your goals and help you achieve a bright shift in this world. Till next time.